0: I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today on episode 69, my guests have helped their church grow by 20% in 2020 after having no baptisms at all in 2019. They've done that in spite of a super cyclone, being in the hospital for nearly three weeks, facing COVID, and living in an area where missionaries have been burned alive. They share about the rocky start to their Christian life in which they hid a secret no one in their church knew about. That's coming up on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I'm so excited today to have on my episode, episode 69, Henry and Arunima Gomes. And I met Henry and Arunima about three years ago in a visit to India, and they were living in Delhi at the time. And we went on a sightseeing trip one of those days to the Taj Mahal. And they were part of a large group of disciples, um, interns. And we just had such a wonderful time. And I heard their story, and it absolutely captivated me, uh, their life and their example. But since that time, they've gone on and done even, even more amazing things and I think you're going to really be inspired today about their life and example and the way God has used them in spite of challenges, in spite of personal weaknesses, and they've totally glorified God and continue, continue to do so in their um, in the church that they're leading. Henry and Arunima, so, wel- so great to have you here on the program today.
1: Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for you. having us over. A privilege. We are very excited to
0: it was so much fun to to spend that day and to spend the time. There was such a, a great atmosphere. And I really um, want to lift up Prakash and, and Joyce because they had such a great group of, di- of disciples in the church there in Delhi. You guys and Shiva and K2, and there was Dinesh and his wife. And um, it's just, that was such a special time. Thank you. Thank you for the time together. Now, can you first of all just tell me a little bit about where you guys live? Now, I know you guys live in India. Can you tell the listeners where you're living currently?
1: Yeah, so we live in a state called Odisha in India. It is situated on the eastern side of India, in coastal side of India and uh, yeah, so the, it's culturally, Uh, Very famous, the name of the city that where we live is called Bhuvaneshwar. It is called uh, the name, you know, it it means uh, city of temples. That is where we live right now. And we are leading the church here.
0: Okay. Well, why don't you, so you're over on the right side of the country near the coast, just kind of south and west of Kolkata, Kolkata. Okay, can you share with me how you guys became Christians?
1: Okay. Um, I would like to share that how I became a Christian. It was an interesting journey. Um, When I I grew up in a Christian family, Um, my dad comes from a Catholic background, and my mom comes from a Hindu Brahmin background, which is kind of among the Hindus, they are from priest background. So um, I come from that background, growing up in a culture where um, Christianity and Hinduism went hand in hand and nothing was really um, asked too much of us. And uh, so we we kept on, we grew up as a family, uh, but I, I think when I look back, I see that we only knew to go to the church, but never knew Christ. And what it means to follow Christ. Hmm. So there were many things. Um, but my life, in my life, I was quite a good student. I was a good sportsman. And life went on pretty well. And everybody thought that I'm doing pretty well. I used to always come back home on time, do things in the house. <laughs> so I was pretty good. But there were a lot of things inside my own heart, inside my own in my own life, which I thought, was not right. In the night when I used to go to bed, I used to think that was not a good day. You know, <laughs> the way I lived, the things that I did was not good. And I used to really struggle You know, thinking that. I was into many things, uh, many addictions. Uh, I was into a lot of uh, relationships to the point where I um, had relationships with my own relatives. And um, but I believe that God had a plan. I still remember that I went to a retreat. It was a retreat organized by my college and during those times, um, uh, they made sure that if you want to go to the next uh, grade or next class or next year, you need to really attend this retreat. So because a lot of times the boys used to not be interested to go to these retreats. Mm -hmm. So I went to this retreat on behalf of the college And somehow there, I felt for the first time um, uh, a love for God. I felt that I need to know God. And I came back from that retreat desiring to know God. But, you know, a lot of times you go to these college retreats and you come back and everything fizzles down. And that is exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And again, the life of sin, uh, you know, went on. That time, my friend, one of my friends, who also went to the retreat with me, got invited to this church uh, in 1999. I still remember it was uh, the month of March. And he told me, would you like to come down to the church? And I told okay, I go to church every Sunday, but I will try. So this church was was pretty far. I had to travel from my uh, locality around 30 kilometers and go to the church. And attended the church. I don't need this. I don't remember the sermon too much, though. But what I remember, I was asked that, would you like to study the Bible? And that question blew me because I have been going to the church. Nobody ever asked me, would you like to study the Bible? Hmm. Would you like to know Christ, his word? I was blown. And I still remember I started studying the Bible 22nd March, 1999. And 29th March, right at the seventh day. I got baptized, and uh, it was inspiring. I was convicted, and I was ready to take on the world and live for Christ, change, reach out to many people. I was very thankful that God took me out from the bondage of sin. Mm -hmm. So in a short, that is my life. That's how I became Christian. Wow, thank you.
2: Okay, so it's my turn, I guess. All right, so um, a very, very different story than Henry. Um, I was a complete devout Hindu, mm. uh, both my parents, um, uh, were religious to the point that many of our holidays used to be pilgrimage trips to temples. Mm. And I remember this one significant one where we were on the steps leading to the main shrine for nine hours. That's how crazy we were, um, making these pilgrim trips, uh, on many many years to different parts of the of the country, um, never ever had any Christian connection. Uh, growing up, uh, Christianity was just a world religion that I studied um, until college happened, and I took up English literature as my major, and that is when uh, the Bible and the biblical allusions, you know, just came into my a syllabus there was Milton and Paradise Lost and all that and so a little bit of a, a little bit of a curiosity just started happening inside me like okay what is the Bible all about but hmm. did not pursue it at all. Um, 1996 when I was still part of the university um, a sister from our church met me at the bus stop I really thought she was inviting me to a Christian fair because she said we meet on Sunday. There's going to be a lot of people there. And I actually was drawn to her baby. So she said, there are many kids. And so (laughs) I did not even understand the concept of being invited to a church. So I thought she was probably inviting me to some kind of a fair or a faith or a fest. And of course, I just did not go, uh, you know, I mean, with her, but she used to uh, call me from time to time and follow up on me and I usually had an excuse to make. But then um, I think two years later, I met Henry and uh, uh, he I knew his elder brother and, uh, and that's how I met him. But then he became a disciple in the year 1999 and he invited me to come to church. And I was very suspicious because in my community, Christian boys were looked at like okay, they might be drug addicts. Like <laughs> just stay away from that. Like don't go near them. <laughs> They're like, and I again did not understand this concept of being invited to a church. I kind of thought it's like a commune, like you know how um, in India we have Osho and 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 a lot of places where everyone gets together and try to do something spiritual. And I was like, I I'm I'm not really. Trusting this, even though I I liked him as a person, but I was like, no, I'm not going anywhere uh, with this. Again, did not completely understand at all. And then finally, uh, year 2000 happened, and life just had taken a turn for the downhill. Like I was just getting crushed. I think a lot of relationships had happened in between, and none of it was working. I used to go and pray to my gods, there were no answers. Um, I was planning to um, you know, do a, a PhD and that had gone into a lot of serious complications and I just did not know. And I started having some health issues and a lot of unanswered prayers. And to a point that I just felt like, if I just die, it's okay. And I remember walking down the street, very, mm. very, very discouraged and thinking like, there's just no point in living. And then two sisters just walked up again from our church and invited me on one of the most beautiful and the most bustling streets of my city. And they invited me for the Women's Day program, which was in March, but this was 6th of January, year 2000. And I just looked at the card and I said, oh my God, do you know this person, this person, this person? And they said, yes, they all are part of our church. I said, something in my heart said, let me just go that Sunday. So Mm. I happened to go that same Sunday, did not wait until March and again i don't think i just got struck by the word of god or the sermon but something in my heart said i i need to start coming to this place so initially i had to tell a lie because my parents even though i was 24 years old i was staying with my parents it's very common in india and they would freak out if i told them i just got invited on the street and i'm going to church Mm so i would just sneak out on sunday morning go to the church sit there listen and then soon somebody my campus minister said do you want to study the bible and i was like yes yeah sure why not i know my i know my hindu text the vedas and the upanishads so why not and it was purely out of an academic intellectual desire hmm. but she came and did um, the first study that's the who is God study that we do usually with Hindu background people here in this country. And it just, I was in complete agreement. I was like, yes, this is, I believe this. I absolutely, where can I get the Bible? She said, go to the society, get a Bible. So I just went to the Bible Society, bought a Bible, and life at home just changed overnight. My parents found out and they were just freaking out. Where, do, where are you going? What, what is this Bible all about? And then eventually I had to tell them. Then I completely, as the studies progressed, fell in love with Jesus, was very sure this is what I wanted. Mm. And uh, yeah, the day came. It wasn't easy. A lot happened in between. From locked doors to not able to go to church on my first sunday as a christian but i got but i did get baptized and yeah lots of beatings happened post post my baptism and before that
0: okay lots of Um, did you just did you just say lots of beatings happened
2: yes 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 yes
0: can you explain
2: so initially my parents tried to talk me out of it like you know what's why? I mean, why do you have to do this? If you want to be spiritual, there are places in the country where you can go and uh, attend classes to just get spiritual. Um, but then, when they realized that I was kind of not stopping, my um, dad was getting very angry and was like, um, "You know, if you go out of the door." uh, the door would not be open for you when you come back. But then, um, I would sit outside my door on the steps and just wait for my door, um, for my parents' house door to open up and hours would pass by. And then when it would be finally night, my dad would just come out and just hit me on my face and slap me and say, do not do this again. Otherwise it's going to be even worse. But then I would come in and pray and say, yeah, I came in and then I would go out again because I was already lecturing, which is like a teaching assistant um, in a college, uh, teaching the undergrads. So um, I would go out of the house and then attend my meetings and then come back in the night and the same thing would again, repeat. But then... Yeah, those were the days. And then my brother, who's younger to me, he got also very mad at me. And then he would try to hit me because he would also try to stop me with a lot of force. Like, you are not going to this church. You are not going to anywhere. But then every time I would manage to, I mean, leave the house, come back, Face that, and again go
1: out. So that is yeah. how it was. And just to just to add on to that, <laughs> there were times since uh, I knew her and her family, there were times when uh, nobody was able to connect with her because her parents used to keep her locked in the house. I was the person who used to make <laughs> call, you know, and, a
2: follow-up uh, yeah, call,
1: <laughs> and say hello. And I'm this person speaking. They recognizes me, and then after that, um, I used to give the person the <laughs> phone to one of the sisters so that they can talk. And that's how I think we, uh, you know, she felt encouraged and wow. that's how church sisters kept in touch with her. So that is, that is another side of that.
0: Wow. Yeah. Story, yeah. Okay. Now you both have, you had a secret relationship. You had, your courtship was, um, unor- unorthodox to say the least. Do you mind sharing about how you got married and, and what happened in your, in the, in those early days of your, your relationship?
1: yeah um yes for personally for me um uh when i came to the church my own sins my own desires were my biggest struggle and i had to overcome that for me families society it was not a big challenge but my own sins i uh recovered from that um there was a time where um we used to be together. And uh, since I knew her, uh, she was my elder brother's friend and we were very good friends. And But soon we kind of felt, or I also felt that I kind of, uh, I'm liking her. And uh, I, though she was older to me uh, by four years and I was thinking, okay, how is it going to be? How are things? But I think a time came where my desire or my wish or my interest overpowered me, and um, I was a young disciple, not too old. Um, she was also a young disciple, and somehow I felt that uh, the desire overtook me, and uh, I, rather than involving anyone, taking advice, I think there were certain steps that I took, which was my own, and um, and my it what was led by my own desires. Then we met with each other. And I think then after we met with each other, we things were a little out of control after some time. There was a time where um, I felt since she's older to me and she's in the church, um, uh, she might also be getting married with someone else. I think that insecurity, um, lack of trust in God suddenly overtook me and uh, led me to take decisions which were not right. Uh, Relationship became quite intimate and physical. And uh, from there, a lot of things happened, which led us um, to a lot of painful uh, incidents. But I believe that um, God was after us. There were times uh, where we felt, I felt it is uh, quite enjoyable, this relationship. It's fun. Uh, But there were times where I, there were questions in my heart, in my mind that, how can I do this as a disciple? How can I do this? If Jesus has shown me so much of love, how can I do that? That continuous um, thought. um, But I felt quite not ready or equipped or empowered to really come out and tell this is what I have been doing. Mm. And I still remember there were lessons People kind of felt it. There were lessons. There were teachings to uh, with me to for me to open up, stop this relationship. People sensed it. I did one day ex- uh, express that I like her, but I did not say in detail. But I think God was not... Uh, God did not give up on me, uh, uh, on us. God was after us. Uh, there was a time where there was a leadership change. And um, suddenly that leader... Uh, uh, me and uh, 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 my relationship, our relationship were quite a hot topic that time. <laughs> people were really thinking how to break through this hard-hearted guy. Uh, but I think um, this leader came and just asked asked to me one day that, you know what, uh, I've been hearing a lot of things, but I just want to hear from you. How's your life going on? What's happening? And I think for the first time I felt not threatened. For the first time, I felt not judged. For the first time, I felt time has come. I need to open up. Mm. And uh, I just that whole. I just opened up. And uh, till midnight, we both were talking. And I just knew him for a few days. But I think it was um, God sent move mm. or God sent moment. And I opened up everything. And then. There were uh, disciples also met with my wife. The leader met with my wife, and during all this hotspot, also we also secretly married outside. We did our registration. We took matters in hand, thinking that at least we should be legally right. Okay, so you You actually
0: you actually eloped and got married during this time. Okay. Yes. No one, but no one knew about it.
1: No one knew about it. Yes. And I felt at least that way, I'm right uh, legally. But but whatever laws were there, uh, I knew that I am right according to the law, but I knew I'm not right towards Christ. So that kind of kept on poking us. But I think God had to do something and bring this in light. And from that time on, um, things came into the light. And uh, then we were dealt. we were spoken to. Um, and then uh, an opportunity came for us to actually turn around, but it was not difficult. I would like my wife to share some things and then maybe I would like to have those
2: Yeah, so those were, those were some tough times, I would say, looking back. I think uh, uh, I started really liking Henry. I mean, suddenly, I don't know what happened. I knew him as a friend and there was nothing romantic there. And we both uh, started being in campus ministry together. And um, our campus ministers were getting married and moving on to another place. And um, Henry uh, took the place of uh, the campus minister, and he would lead the Bible discussions. And I would be sitting there and falling in love, actually. So, so, So that was the beginning. But then I knew. Uh, I mean, I I, I was like uh, Henry. Henry was very zealous. Uh, he was, uh, you know, uh, all over. So I, it wasn't. It was. Uh, he was. It, I couldn't miss him. Like he was there everywhere. So I would be like, okay, <laughs> I I cannot go away from him. So like that. But then I think yes, as he said, uh, desires overtook me too. And um, I knew that I had to talk about it, but then I also felt like um, I did speak about it, that I like it, but I was not able to speak the whole thing as to how far it was for me because things were very orthodox. And I think um, the the disciplinary uh, part was something that I uh, was not able to handle. Like when uh, I did speak and, you know, we were told, that, you know, you'll, to just stay away from each other. I, I think I just couldn't handle that. And so matters got even more intense. Mm. But um, in the middle of all this, this was 2002. This was a revolutionary year for our church. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot was going on in our movement. And in the middle of all this, uh, here I was, I was um, put on staff. And I uh, started serving as a single intern, knowing that, I had all these struggles going on and I had to just go and study the Bible and it was not easy at all. It was just making life very difficult, very, very difficult. So I was just lying a lot and uh, going to bed thinking, God, I have made my life miserable. Mm -hmm. And this is terrible right now, like what I wanted my life to be. This was horrible. This wasn't going in the right direction at all. And, but then I, I, I loved Henry a lot and I felt like I, I want to get married to him. I mean, I want this relationship to end, uh, to end in marriage. But there was no way to go about it. Like, you know, marriage was not being spoken to both of us. So we were like, what do I do? What do I do? And I, there were talks of me even moving to church. Um, and going to another church to serve. And I was just getting very fearful and very insecure about how this is going to be. So here I was a single intern, giving up my lectureship and just completely, you know, not knowing what is this going to be all about. So it was also, I think, my decision to say, okay, I think we want I, I want to get married and let's just get married. And I think that was the most painful thing to do. Um, uh, but then that was what happened. Neither my parents, nor his parents, nor the church knew about it. And um, it was really sad. But then we thought that this was what was left to do. But then as Henry said, leadership changed. Uh, the new leaders came in, Henry spoke. Um, I also, decided to follow, speak about my life and um, and yes, then you know we were told uh, what we what do we want to do? And I think there was that one night where I felt like either I can just leave the church and just vanish um, because that's what I want to do, it would have been very easy and not face any questions, not face any consequences, just vanish. But then I was scared because I was also thinking, God, um, how do I even now proceed with my life? I Mm -hmm. can't go back to being a Hindu. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I need you and I think I need the church. If I and Henry have to remain married, Mm -hmm. like there was that part of me, which said, I think I just want to be with you, God. And I told him, I just want to be with you. I don't want to go anywhere. I, um, And so um, we were asked to uh, come back with a public apology um, in the church um, and apologize to the entire congregation, have letters of apology read. And then uh, we started uh, living our life as as husband and wife. And we were asked to go back and tell our families, which was also equally hard, and I think the public, the apology to the church was was very, very hard also because there were brothers and sisters who knew, who saw, I think, I lied to. And then they, they saw us acknowledging that whatever they had been saying all this time was actually
1: true. Mm.
2: So, yeah, so that was a lot of things.
1: Yeah, um, it was very difficult. Um, I also felt... After the last talk with my leader, that you know, I really don't have to face anyone. I have, I I spoke about it now. I just have to move on. Maybe move on, go ahead and start living with my wife and just lead a normal life. And but I again and again, I think God was telling that this is where you came to know the truth, and this is family of God. And uh, I still remember the next day when it was read, the apology letter. I was in tears. I was really broken. Uh, there were brothers and sisters. My family group, which was uh, by that time, really was doing well. Uh, since I used to stay around quite, a, quite, a, quite far in my locality, the family groups really started well. Just a few months before, we had uh, 12 baptisms in whole year. And I was single. I was a student. We were really cranking. And all these young Christians coming to know that how I have messed up in my life, and uh, listening to my story, many of them felt very hurt. And I uh, completely understand that I my life hurt them. And they decided that, yeah, I they would not like to stay anymore in the church. And they were really hurt. It was not easy. And then going to uh, to the family members, talking to them that, you know, this is what we have done. Now we want to start the life. I had my older brother who didn't get married by that time. I, I got married. So suddenly for my family in Indian context, uh, for for younger son to get married ahead of the older brother is kind of not done. But both the family didn't knew what to do. And uh, I was not so well established in my career by that time, though I had a business. Um, but both the families had to suddenly adjust to many things um, because of that confession. Mm. um but i we had to do that we felt that uh okay uh, we will do it anything whatever it takes to be right um, if now we have confessed let's move on so that's how uh coming together starting our journey yeah. wow. together yes wow
0: okay so did you guys stay in the ministry at that time or did you uh were you asked to step out of the ministry and to resign because of this what were the consequences
2: Right. So um, it was only I who uh, was in the ministry. Henry was still a student and he was, he was, um, he was serving the church as a, as a part-time student intern, but I was a full-time single intern in the church. And, um, and I was absolutely asked to step down. So that, that is what was, uh, yeah, the disciplinary measure uh, that I had to go through. Yeah, yeah. but Henry was a student. Um, he was um, he was having his own business, and um, and here we were married. And
1: uh, I think our time also came where they were feeling maybe I am not uh, speaking from a repented heart. So they were also kind of thinking that maybe they have to ask me to leave the church. Right. Uh, it came up to that point but i think um uh, there was change there was ch- change in other people and uh, got some work out of all chaos i will say
2: yeah
0: that's yeah. amazing
2: and so I, and so i think uh there was there was not a disfellowship but there was a period of um uh, maybe, I I can't remember, was it two or three months where disciples were asked not to come in fellowship with us. Hmm. And it was just the leadership uh, who were in touch with us. So that's, that's, that was what it was, was.
0: Wow. So there's a lot going on in the church worldwide at the time, as well as this smaller drama. So It must've been kind of a crazy, crazy period of your lives. How did, how did you, okay. You ended up going back into the ministry and leading a a church planting. I mean, how did you, how did you recover from that? I mean, how did you pick up the pieces? And Mm. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's really inspiring. And and I know it it must've been just incredibly painful at the time, but how did you put your life back together?
1: Hmm. Yeah, thank you for asking that. And I think that's the part what where we li- like to share, what we like to share, because that's where God worked. And uh, I still remember during all, during all this time and when we were actually going through so much of trouble and uh, uh, what to do, what not to do during that time, most of our closest leaders are friends whom we looked up to and we really thought Definitely, we heard them, but they were also moved, they also moved that time. So we didn't have much uh, people or much uh, fr- friends in terms of with whom we can open up and talk. So uh, we both decided that um, whatever it is, um, we have heard people, and we they have full right uh, the way they are or the way they are behaving with us is okay. Uh, we have heard. And we have to go through this process of, uh, you know, going through this painful time, but we all, uh, somehow in my heart, I also felt if I have spoken up everything um, God will also show me grace. Mm. Um, and that's how we started our life. We thought, okay. Um, we just got to a one small room and we thought that we'll just focus on our Bible study prayer. And, um, Uh, do whatever work we can do do. and my wife was teaching and she used to go to the job and I had my own small business. I used to go to the business and take care of the business. I was also finishing some of my studies. I was also going to the college and because the business did not fully support our finance, I also had to work in a call center. So I used to work in the night um, from 8 o'clock till 2 a.m. And then go to my college, which is to start from six a.m.
0: Oh my God! And
1: then study in the library. Go to my business. Come back. Sleep a little bit. There were six, seven, eight months where we did not actually see each other properly, but we made sure we'll go to the ministry. We'll uh, sometimes used to go also in separate ministries, attend the ministries, and uh, study the Bible. Reach out to people. Kept on praying, and that's how things started. And uh, Then soon we felt that we would also like to reach out to people. There were a lot of elderly aunties. So, uh, one of the aunties did not have a home. So, we thought, okay, why not we start from here, you know? And we brought the auntie home and she was staying with us. She had no home. And uh, I was the first person in the church because of my business. I got a car. Thank God for that. And (laughs) we decided that. We will pick up all those elderly aunties and bring them to church Wow! in our car. In that way, we felt that we do not want any title. We do not want anything. We just want to reach out to these aunties because they are elderly. And we had good relationships with them. And that's how things started uh, with us. And um,
0: So you had a one-bedroom place and you yes. had this woman staying
1: with you. Oh my yeah, gosh. we had one bedroom. Uh, we had no, we had no bed. We had only mattress. Um, yeah, we we didn't have a bed. We only had a mattress, and um, yeah, there was no sofa, and uh, yeah, there was. It was a very small room, and the kitchen was so small that we couldn't fit in together in the kitchen, and uh, so uh, we had to take turns to go there. That's how we started. And
0: uh, wow, what time? Okay, so that was 2002 when all that happened with your marriage and all that came out. Can you give us just like a quick timeline from that to where you're at now and where you've been in India and in in the ministry, your career?
1: Yeah. So by 2006, as we were serving the aunties, reaching out to them, um, uh, I still remember the desire of going to a mission team uh, came alive again. It was there when I became a disciple. That time, they were sending a mission team for second time in Bangladesh. And I really wanted to go, but I did not have a passport that time. Uh, so somehow, I feel that feeling of going to a mission team kept coming, even during all these hard and sinful moments. And sometimes I used to feel that how can I be so sinful, at the same time have the desire of, going for a mission, I was really understanding. And I was thinking that why God is not taking away this desire. Hmm. And I used to always have that and used to come back again and again. And uh, I still remember in 2006, uh, the previous leader whom we did, uh, 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 whom we hurt, and they were all there when we were going to tough time in our lives. Um, They uh, kind of came down to Kolkata and asked that we are planning to send a mission team Would you both be interested? I was okay. We were blown away. And for me, it was like, for me, somehow, on one hand, I was feeling that this is it. God is showing his grace by this call to me, to us. At the same time, I was not sure what to do with this call right now, because my business is there going pretty well. I just got a new house, never even stayed one day. And I want to move into that house now. And uh, so many things were there. Life was at crossroads. And suddenly that call came. And uh, for me, I felt that this is it. I cannot deny this call because uh, for me, it was not the leader who was calling. I felt that God had a plan Mm. and I felt that, okay, let's do it. That is where I was and i still remember my leader told me, if your wife is not ready then you have to say no to this uh, uh this uh, moving or going to mission team that is where i was
2: and i was not ready <laughs> i was completely not ready i mean um our our leaders who were helping us out with our marriage uh, in kolkata the, the leadership in kolkata they had asked a year ago uh that you know uh, would you like to come back to the leadership? And I remember telling them, no, it's been horrible. I mean, I've heard so many, I don't want to, I can serve. I am very happy to serve, but I don't want to, I don't want a title. I don't want to be in the leaders meeting. It's just too much. And so I remember when um, this couple who were leading the entire region came down to our house and they said, we are considering both of you for a mission team planting. I was like, I was like, no way. I'm not going. I'm not ready. This is going to be too much. Um, I think I'm going to fall again. What if I fall again? Mm-hmm. And um, I still remember their response there. They they looked at Henry and said, mm, so you're excited that your wife is not. So you got to wait, bro, and pray. But they looked at me and they said, uh, you should also pray. Like, if this is from God, uh, be open, but start praying. And um, so they went back to Delhi and and we were wanting to start a family. So we are like, okay, we, we decided to take a retreat, go up to the mountains, all wanting to start a family. And back there, I remember just reading the book of Jonah and that, that holiday that I and Henry had decided to actually start a family, uh, just turned into a very spiritual retreat for me. I I remember just reading the book of Jonah and saying, okay, God, if this is what you're saying, if you're saying that I should just go now, um, follow my husband. Um, I don't think I can say no, because you've been so amazingly good. Mm. You've been so great in, in our lives. and You have been Showing a lot of mercy, even though I, I think I did not really understand grace, and it was a huge battle for me, coming from the background that I do, uh, to just understand the concept of grace is a lot of guilt, a lot of shame that right. I just carried with me day in and day out, like nothing would help. But then, just that time with God alone in the mountains, I was clear, and I told Henry that I think I, I. Don't want to say no. I think I want to go. Wow. So so we then informed the leadership that we are ready to go. And for me, it was just a simple uh, resignation from a job. But for Henry, it was a closing down of a factory, a closing down of business, laying off workers. Um, and And we were told from the very beginning that it's going to be our neighboring state, a state which is known for. Uh, you know just um, anti-christian stuff so we knew that but then i remember being fearful but then when i made that decision i was like okay here we go um we i was very uh, concerned about how our parents reactions were because in india we always keep thinking about our parents and i was like it might just freak them out a for me to be leaving my job, for Henry to be giving up the security of the business, of the newly built house with all the wonderful tiles, put in all the great woodwork, and for them to know that we're going to give up that without even having stayed a night and a day in that house, and to be going to a state which is hostile mm. to our community. How would this all happen? Wow. But then it was amazing. I think God just took care of every detail, and very quickly we moved to Delhi for for a brief training, and 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 then from there on we came back to Orissa, it has been just amazing in terms of. That was two thousand six November, and we continue to serve the church here from all the way from two thousand six to two thousand eleven, and uh, yeah, and. Those were amazing five years where I think uh, my faith was getting built again and again and again. And I think as I saw um, a church being built in a place where we were just six of us in the mission team and we had our first baptisms and people started studying the Bible, they started accepting Jesus and the church started growing and, and I had to. continuously rely on God to be able to continue to on this journey. I think my faith, which had had just gotten crushed in the previous four years from Mm. what had happened in our personal lives, just started getting built. Wow.
0: Okay. So you were there from 2006 to 2011 and how big was the church when you left in 2011?
1: When we left, um, it was uh, around 34. About 34. 34 to 35, okay. And yes. so then
0: you went back, you went to Delhi at that point and you were there from?
1: Yes. Yeah, we went to Delhi um, because we had a child and we thought that going to a church where we will have more kids will help our kid. So we were asking and then we were asked to move to Delhi uh, to go there and serve in the ministry over there.
0: Okay. So you were there for eight years. And tell me in, what in Delhi. in Delhi. Okay. And that's where we met during that time. I think that was 2017 yeah. when we met. But then you ended up going back to the same city. Okay. How did how did that happen?
1: Yeah. So when we served uh, in the mission team, it's like falling in love for the first time serving God. It was First mission team, first love. And uh, we always cherish those moments. Uh, Disciples um, following Christ from nothing, from six-member mission team, we became 12 in a year. And uh, those wonderful memories, the hangouts, the food, reaching out to people, police uh, chasing us not to share or invite (laughs) people on the road. A lot of wonderful memories. And I believe that we somehow fell in love with Odisha or this place. And uh, Mm -hmm. we always felt like that we would like to come back one day. So at at first, we went to Delhi knowing or thinking that we will come back soon. But from soon, from one year or two years, it turned to eight years in Mm -hmm. Delhi. Uh, But our desire to come back or love for Odisha or this state was quite known and we used to always make it very vocal or share with people. And I think when uh, a time came, there was a need for a move. So again, um, uh, we were asked what you would like to do. And at that time, knowing that we will not move out from Delhi anymore, we just again bought a house. And, uh, And right after we bought the house, thinking that last time when we bought the house, we went to a mission team. And this time, when we will buy the house, will it stay or will it go? And I still remember, um, again, when we were asked, we decided to come. And when we came back, it was exciting. That's how we decided. So uh, we wanted to come back always. That's how we came back here.
2: Yeah. So uh, also, uh, more than just uh, having uh, children for our child, uh, more than that, we also were feeling like after five years in the mission field, we were like, should we just go ahead and get more trained um, with the couple who were discipling us? So we were actually wanting to be with them and have more training. But then just as we moved to Delhi, they left. Mm. Uh, they had to move out. And uh, and and uh, we thought it's going to be a short term, uh, just training, uh, being in Delhi maybe for a year, maybe for two years, and then Get back to the mission field, uh, but then that did not happen. Just uh, it became eight years of being in Delhi, which was fantastic. I mean, that was also a lot of training. But then, um, once I think I feel like once somebody tastes uh, the the excitement of being on a mission field, like being in a being in a situation where there's just no church and you see a church being born. And as you see a church grow, um, it's like the most amazing thing to happen. So we were like any day, anywhere. We would want to go back mm. to a situation like that.
0: Okay, so let, but let's and talk. So- let's, talk a, let's talk a little bit about that because when you decided to go back in two thousand nineteen, you're you're not kids anymore. You're not in your twenties. You're probably in your. 40s or close to it is that is that right okay and so you know you're you're middle-aged at this point and it's no longer a mission team that's an established church it's been there a long time that would be really challenging and it's it's different situations so how tell me a little bit about the church as you found it when you arrived in 2019 what kind of condition what size was it what were you facing
1: so when we came back, the church was at 45, and uh, um, the campus students whom we baptized, they now are married, and um, they have their own family. Uh, the new ones also have come, so there was a little bit of uh, uh, difference, or I will say there there was a gap between the young ones and the older ones. And uh, when you have that mix, then you also have challenge. Because the young ones think they are doing well and they are doing pretty good. Old ones think that they already know everything. Mm-hmm. So when you are in that situation, um, so that's uh, difficult at the same time, a tricky situation. But that was the situation when we came in, thinking that, you know. But at the same time, we felt that they will be our friends whom we baptized long time back. Because right. now they are married, we can share many things with them. Right. So that's how things were, yeah
2: yeah but it was a different situation it it was no longer that little baby of ours you know it mm-hmm. that that feeling was very very clear it mm-hmm. was a different feeling even though we we had cherished those relationships and they were very very dear to us but we came back and most of them were not available like they used to be right. uh, we used to have long hangouts when we were there before and now all of them were very very busy they were They were managing jobs and families. And we were like, oh, back then they were all students and they would love hanging out in our home. But now they're like, we need an appointment (laughs) to even get some time together. Like what's happening? So it was a very, very different situation. Yes. And I think that was, that really struck us. It, it, It was not easy. And I think for me, I kind of felt, it more emotionally like i felt like i'm suddenly lonely again Mm. and i felt like uh, this was not the kind of city that i had left the city appeared more darker and and i just felt like i was a little out of place and i i I remember just feeling like what do i do now where do we start from here Uh, oh my my little ones have grown up. In the new ones, I still don't have a relationship with
0: them. Okay, so let's so, let's take a look I at this. That? So you 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 arrived. The church is a little bit bigger than when you left it. It'd gone from thirty seven to forty five or so, and then, but then you shared that in twenty nineteen there wasn't a single baptism in the church. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Okay, so that's that's yeah. discouraging. It's it, the church has not grown for a long time, just very, very slowly. And then in an entire year, no baptisms. And there's a lot of churches that are in that situation that are like, wow, you know, we haven't seen a baptism in a long time, sometimes even years. How did you face that? And how did you get the church growing again? Like, what, what did you do?
1: Yeah. So when we came, uh, right after a few months, um, the super cyclone came. Oh, my God. After three, two months.
2: Yeah, two and
1: months, two um, months. it was so uh, bad and so big that in the capital city of our state for 14 days in my house, there was no power. Um, but I, uh, it was a very difficult time. A lot of disciples were going through the difficult time. But it was also a time of serving, uh, though it was very difficult, I think suddenly we got a lot of opportunity also to serve. So what we did uh, is that travel back to my hometown, which is kind of around eight hours journey, drop our kids with our parents and come back to the state, uh, Odisha, and uh, go to all those people, those who are affected. And uh, I still remember uh, um, there was no, no bank, were not working, no online transfers were happening. So couldn't withdraw from ATM, couldn't buy the fuel because we also ran out of the cash. Everything was happening in cash. And I still remember that one of the disciples from another state had to come down in the uh, by bus and give us some cash <laughs> to start uh, you know, helping the church and people around us. Yeah. So just taking around the car, going, buying groceries, water and just uh, taking the car out and going inside uh, where all the trees have fallen and f- to the point, searching one of the, the disciples' parents, are uh, they fine or not? I think this also opened up a lot of opportunity for us to serve. And uh, then right after the cyclone came to deaths in the church where one of my close brother's father passed away, actually when he was with us serving the affected people of cyclone, his father passed away in the hospital it was not very helpful for him that here he is serving the people father passed away so this whole year deaths cyclone and then covid i think made the church stand still and uh, but we also felt maybe god is helping us uh, to just be around the disciples feel what they are feeling go through what they are going through take a pause and uh, let God handle the situation. I think it became so powerful. And it was discouraging at the same time coming back to the, the mission church. And you thinking that this is the right place for so long, I wanted to come back. And one year, nothing, nothing happened. Mm. So suddenly you, I we really started feeling that, are we doing right? Should we continue in the ministry? What's happening? Right. Um, should we go back? Is, was it right decision? So all those thoughts kept coming.
2: Yeah, Well, uh, one of the things that we stuck to, which uh, looking back, I'm wondering how is that uh, that we managed to do, and it was just God. Uh, is like we thought, okay, we cannot have the same schedule that we had when we were on the mission team the first time. Right. But we will have uh, similar kind of things as much as we can um, to still keep a mission team forward for us to get encouraged and to be on the right course, um, have the focus. So we looked at our church and we said, okay, what do we do? Oh, we had, we have uh, the scope for campus ministry. That was where we had tasted success the first time. Uh, but now there were just two campus students and one was already doing his PhD. He was baptized when he was in um, yeah, undergrad. And now he's moved on to be a PhD student. And there was one uh, sister who had just finished her college and she was like thinking not to get back to college anymore. And we were like, okay, we don't have enough campus students in our church, but then there's a lot of scope because we had tasted success in the campus ministry first time. So we are gonna still focus on uh, seeing whether we can have a campus um, outreach going on. And Henry and I decided, all right, we, uh, and I, uh, since this place is very not open to have Bible talk, so we redesigned our Bible talk and said we call it Life Talk, and we call it Life Talk on campus. And we will still try to go out and see how we can share our faith. And but then the way we did it is. Uh, the city by now. And after, there were more uh, back then. We only had a few parks that we used to be like a talk over coffee with the students, or maybe over a burger. Um, and we're gonna still do it, and we're gonna pull in whoever's whoever's interested, or maybe if there's nobody, it's just the two of us. So we 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 decided to do that, and then we were like, but then we a lot of the church disciples who got baptized back then are now doing well professionally so but then they're not able to bring their friends because they're not able to bring them to a regular bible talk so we said okay we'll redesign that and we'll call it live talk at pro which means it's going to be again in a coffee shop and we're going to meet uh once in a month and and both these uh the the campus bible talk as well as the professionals' Bible talk is, is not going to be like how we used to do it back um, then, but we're gonna uh, re it. And it's gonna talk a lot about maybe fears, insecurity, um, lack of self-confidence and things like that for the campus students. And Henry did this entire series on work-life balance. Mm-hmm. This is going on. Even though there's no baptism happening, There's nothing looking up. We are dressing ourselves up and going to these campus life talk at campus. And we we did, you know, we came across these little, um, you know, Instagram worthy or a little postcards or, you know, WhatsApp digital cards. And we would pass that around and get people to come. And we're like, even if they're not coming to church, it's okay. Even if they're not saying that they would like to study the Bible, it's okay. We're just building relationship. We just want to see their face. If they come, if they're they are on a repeat, we're like celebrating. Oh, they came again! (laughs) Like wow, they've come again. (laughs) We get to see them again. So that is what we celebrated. And I think the disciples warmed up to that excitement. Like like, hey, he's come again this month wow or she has come again this month wow hmm. and so that was what we kept on doing and I yeah. think the professionals Bible talk we kind of felt we just want to create a small group of just like-minded people we just share and no pressures to come to church or study the Bible yeah. and that's what we kept doing the whole of last year with also uh, I mean Henry would do a lot of the leadership trainings and and and, and a lot of uh, discipleship training, uh, just how to be a disciple, or you know what to do when a leader. So all that, we kept doing that in the hope that maybe someday something would happen.
0: So Henry and Arunima, besides the the life talks, um, I'm very interested in knowing. Okay, how did you get your church growing? You, you you've in 2020. You've had some major challenges. Okay, in 2019, your church had no baptisms. You guys faced a super cyclone. You've dealt with COVID, which has shut, shut things down. And Henry, you've had some serious health issues where you were in the hospital for up to 18 days. And in spite of that, your church of 45 has had nine, eight or nine baptisms and restorations. That's inspiring. And how how did that happen? Can you share with us, like, wh- what did you do? And what has helped you to see that kind of growth?
1: Yeah. So I uh, when we moved here, we were very clear that we will focus on relationships with the brothers and sisters. And uh, we will invest time with people. So that's what we did. In spite of no growth, we made sure we have regular time of bonding, uh, prayer time, uh, hanging out, and uh, God will do his part. We just have to make sure that we are together. We're really focused on that, and we never um, held other people uh, accountable, or we, we did not ask them why things are not happening, why you are not doing this. We always knew that they will also do. Uh, we just make sure that we have good friends, and we believe in them, spend time with them. And we always spoke about in time, God will really turn things around. And in spite of nothing happening, we never stopped planning. Every month we met with the leaders and our support group. We planned the whole month. What is going to happen? Uh, what live talks will happen? We even conducted marriage workshop and, uh, made sure that marriage needs are taken care and we are reaching out to the campus. We are reaching out to the professionals. So we made sure uh, the singles, campus, marriage, we had a plan. Uh, nothing happening doesn't mean that we will not have a plan. Plan should always be there. So that we kept on doing. And then we also decided that we will ask everyone, uh, the brothers and sisters would, we all like to pray and fast till we see someone getting, you know, getting added in the kingdom, still a soul being saved. And I still remember, praise God, and uh, all the brothers and sisters definitely were also quite uh, um, tired or I will say quite discouraged, not seeing anyone coming to the kingdom. They all we all decided as a family that we will all fast and pray as a church. And we started doing that and i still remember it started from the month of january and we kept on doing that and um, oh, but always we encouraged one another no not to worry not to think but let's keep on reaching out to the people talking to people about god and god will do the rest i still remember in the month of a lockdown uh, suddenly from a attendance of uh, 40 in the church suddenly around 100 people were listening to our YouTube channel, our service online. Our KKC from three to four suddenly online became a very popular KKC. And uh, and then overnight, we had to decide that we have to produce, uh, design and uh, edit videos and make it look good and it should go out to a lot of people. And KKC became very popular and we kind of started online KKC.
0: Uh, I'm sorry, what uh, what are you saying there? Time. Online KKC. What what is that?
1: Yeah, Kingdom Kids, Kingdom kids uh, curriculum. And oh, Kingdom Kids for-
0: curriculum. KKC. Okay, got it. Okay, thank yeah. you. Uh,
1: classes for the kids. So we started doing online craft, online lessons. Even to the point where you went to online puppet show to make it more interesting. And we uh, we had a very good friend uh, and our the kingdom kids uh, volunteered. they volunteered overnight they had to work so hard make videos and uh, internet was not working so well so we were here and there but we all made sure that goes well and uh, many kids started attending to the point we reached to around 40 to 50 kids who were attending online our kkc classes and uh, now through that one of our friends who attends regularly from India-Burma border, even now, they attend our KTC classes. Their children are regularly attending our classes. So I, I feel that is what happened. We kept on doing whatever we can do from our own efforts. Kneel down, prayed, fasted. Every day, somebody or the other was fasting. In the month of June, um, we had our first baptism. Wow. And uh, it was very encouraging. And uh, right after that, God started opening up many doors and uh, even God reached out to people those who were far away from us through online services. We started studying Bible with people over phone. I still remember due to my back pain and my doctors were thinking I might be having multiple myeloma. Uh, I was lying down and studying the Bible with people over the phone and a lot of Bible studies over the phone. People did not have internet connection. That's how things started happening. I think it's just God and the brothers and sisters holding up their hands in prayer and fasting to God. And it's just started happening. And now it is going on and more people are coming. Now we have studies more than the number of brothers and sisters. So we are now trying to juggle how we will be able to handle so many people coming together.
0: Wow. So you have more... Bible studies than members in your church.
1: Yeah. Right. That's no, amazing. Many people want to study the Bible.
0: Okay. So it makes me ask, uh, the next question is, what kind of a fasting and prayer chain? Were you asking someone to fast every day? Was it, can you can you describe the structure if someone wanted to imitate what you, what you did?
2: Yeah. So it was like um, every uh, brother and sister were asked, not forced, uh, they were asked, would you want to participate in a fasting and prayer chain that we are going to do till we see a soul getting baptized? And we send that out to our leadership. And I and Henry just waited to see what the response is going to be like, like, either people will say no, or people will say yes. And some people will say it's hard or difficult. And we were open to that. And so The two of us had decided that whoever joins, uh, we'll ask them if they would do it on a repeat. So suppose seven out of 40 say we we want to participate in this. Our next question would be to them, would you then, after the seven days, continue till the end of the month? Mm. And we were again prepared to hear a no or a yes or a maybe or a difficult and we were like, let's just go and put this idea out there. But what was amazing is every disciple of the church said, yes. Mm. And they said, yes, we're going to do this. So all we have to do is then ask them, sign up for a particular date of the month. Like this is the date that I'm going to fast. And it's up to you or whether you want to fast from morning till afternoon, morning till evening, a 12-hour fast or an eight-hour fast or a six-hour fast, it's up to you. Right. Uh, there were some elderly people who said that, you know, we may not be able to fast the whole day, but can we give up something that we are um, attached to on that particular day? And we said, okay, as long right. as you do that. And um, and we uh, ensured that everyone knew that we are fasting specifically for souls to be saved. And so we may have uh, different prayer requests, um, that's completely okay. But then this fast is only for souls uh, to be added to the kingdom. And and what was amazing is that we didn't have to force this upon uh, the disciples. They were quite okay with that. But then we also had a plan that if ever anybody says, um, I don't want to do it, um, then we are completely open to that also. And so in the beginning, everyone started doing it. And then Maybe after a few months, there were a few who said, you know, maybe this month, I may not be able to continue with this. And we were okay with that also. But that is how it was. Okay,
0: so you have the prayer and fasting chain. How did you keep your faith when after six months, you still don't have a baptism? I mean, (laughs) that must have been really tough, like you're praying and fasting for five months or so. And I mean... That must have been tough. How did you keep your own faith? And then the previous year, not a single baptism. So how how did you keep yourself pumped up there?
2: So I would like to answer a little bit of uh, what was even happening to me uh, back in 2019 when there was just no growth. Um, My struggles with guilt and shame had just come back in a huge, huge way. And I was just feeling like uh, this is again coming to an end. I think this is just going not in the right direction. I don't think God really needs me here. I don't think God is, I think God is beginning to show signs that uh, he wants me to be replaced. And it was just causing a lot of anxiety and bringing in a lot of challenges. Um, and I had, um, I had a few episodes where I had to just go into the emergency of a hospital in the middle of the night because of my just anxiety attacks. So you and had, so you had like one
0: a, one. a, you had like a panic attack where you just, yeah,
2: yeah, extreme anxiety. Yeah that, okay. yeah, that was in June of last year. And um, back now, I mean, now uh, looking back on hindsight, it could also be a lot of the trauma that I was just going through. Uh, in the ministry where there were a lot of deaths back in Delhi um, of people that I had to minister to and not having time to grieve or moan or stop or pause. And, and, and moving to the minist- uh, mission team, I thought it was going to be exciting, but I think I, I, I missed the relationships that I had cultivated over the 80-year period. So mm. all that had just added to a lot of stress um, which I did not know was happening to my body and my mind, but I think it was. And so um, with all the cyclone and everything, but I was also going through a lot of all that. So when um, the no baptisms happened and we started this year, I was already saying that maybe we just need to see a few months and then jump out of the sea like, okay, we done <laughs> we are, <laughs> we're done. We're We're going to just like, okay, God, <laughs> we are moving away. We're clearing the way kind of a situation. But amazingly, I think I got pushed to look into my own heart by God in a big, big way. So by October last year, I had to seriously sit down and Thing that I need to do something with this baggage of guilt and shame that I had been carrying, and it mm-hmm. was multiplying and making me so anxious. And so I, I just happened to read a lot of Dr. T- Timothy Summerlin, and, and and just getting a lot of help. And um, everyone here, also in the ministry, were talking a lot about trauma and anxiety and all that. And that was that was really helpful that we could just say that yes i'm anxious i am a full time worker i am a minister but i'm i am suffering an anxiety and a panic attack so i think the entire environment around was now open to me even saying that
0: like, right
2: this is who i am now and i am i think i need to deal with this majorly and so I think I I started having a lot of breakthroughs, which kind of, again, built my faith and said, God, you are at work. Even though I don't see growth, and even though it's multiplying my shame and guilt in a huge way, hmm. I see you are at work in my own heart. And I remember having those conversations with God and even you know, in my own discipleship group and, um, yeah, with my mentors. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm able to see that. And I think I need to be able to just come to, yeah, make peace, um, come to terms with what is going on and take help. And I think being able to see that God was just providing me the right help by him moving me in a direction where I was falling apart, and yet he was
1: hoping. I, I just felt that. Yeah. I just felt that so much. For me, what motivated is that for the first time, or I will say, um, this whole year, I had to completely learn that it is God who is going to do things. I am someone, uh, I am a man, or I am a person who always likes to make things happen. Yeah. Right. So I had to really learn. I, I'm not able to make things happen. You know, I am only continuing. I just have to continue what I am doing, but I really cannot make things happen. I had to completely learn to surrender that in God's time it will happen, okay. and somehow I had to find peace in that. Not blame myself, more, not blame my ways of doing ministry, or not blame anything, or the church. And in due time, it will happen. I have to really trust in that. And I have to make the church trust in that, Mm. that it is not their fault. It is not our fault. It's God in due time who will work. So I think that kept us going. That kept me going. I had to dig deep in the Bible to go up on Sunday and preach a faithful sermon in spite of not seeing results. Mm. And that helped me to personally get convicted through my Bible study, thinking about the series of, uh, lessons which will help the church and me. So I had to always preach something which helped me first. So I think these really motivated me to look forward for God's hand, God's grace in due time. And I always, uh, we had to always talk to each other, even in the brothers and sisters. In due time, it will work. And that time, we need to be ready uh, to work with all those people. So yeah, that's what I, that kept us going. Yeah. But
0: I just
2: want to add, I think Henry, was also making very conscious efforts to not ask the church to have like, okay, so what's happening? Like in the leaders meeting, like, you know, what's happening? Why are baptisms not happening? What's going wrong? What can we do better? He never came across as a man who's anxious or he's, or he's getting edgy about it. I, 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 on the other hand, was dealing with a lot of, of my anxieties, but I had to calm down and, um, and, follow him and say all right okay um, it's gonna happen maybe one day we don't know when but we just go and live for this day Mm. Uh, we just go and preach for this day we just go and do this for this time and just leave it at that and I think as Henry had already mentioned we really had to I think uh, do a lot of just ministering to all the different uh, people in the church like." we did marriage workshop. Okay. It's going to be outreach. So we would say, uh, you know, invite your friends. And then sometimes the disciples would not have any friends. And then we would be like, okay, we're doing this for you then.
0: The (laughs) workshop.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So we were all be dressed up like really professionally. Here we go. We're doing a marriage workshop, call your friends. And we are expecting to um you know see uh, our disciples bringing their workplace friends and you know friends from the neighborhood or whatever and then last minute everyone's saying no our friends are not coming it's all cancellations mm-hmm. and we had to still go ahead and say, all right the workshop is for you then <laughs> so we had to just keep doing that i think the whole of last year mm-hmm. and
1: and some and of the and some of the close friends in the church in our church here, and some other friends everywhere, uh, they kind of encouraged us. And uh, even in the church here, it's not that they came up and told them, I think you guys are not doing good, or this is how it is. They also believed that things will work. And our leaders were also very graceful, and they also believed that things will work. And all these things, I think, had an impact. uh, And definitely, uh, those times had really helped us to give faith and move on and Keep moving, and things will happen.
0: That's yeah. great. That's it's it's just very inspiring to me, uh, what you've done in the face of adversity, and I think that the fact that you have grew in the midst of COVID, and really glorified God by by seeing the growth grow, grow through through prayer, through building relationships with people, by focusing on just simply doing the right thing. Um, you know, I I. Arunima I feel the same way you do I feel a lot of anxiety there are times I just go oh my gosh you know and and yet that doesn't that doesn't help you know and, and trying to deal with it is so challenging but as you guys look into 2021 do you have a plan a, any advice that you would give to others what what are your plans going forward in 2021
1: Yeah we have been praying about it um since God is opening new doors uh, and uh, a lot of people are opening up, who are far from the city where we have the church. So we are all talking as a church that if God is opening doors everywhere, uh, should be shrink back because we are a small church. Should be shrink back because most of us or many of us do not have a vehicle to travel there. Should be shrink back because COVID is there. We are talking that even now and. If 2021, we will continue studying the Bible with people. We desire, we wish, we pray that we will start new family groups. And uh, we will also uh, pray that we will have family groups far away from our city and maybe soon have uh, churches also because they are so far now. So we will have groups of people there getting coming to the kingdom or getting saved. And there we will start a family group. So this is what we are looking forward, that uh, that we will grow wherever God takes us. We will preach the word.
0: That's exciting. And, uh,
1: God will, yeah. So uh, I think sometimes uh, we make a lot of strategies, but it did not work. It works where God leads you. So mm-hmm. that is what is happening. We never planned that people will come from so far, but it's working. People are coming. Mm-hmm. They are seeing our YouTube channel. or We are studying the Bible over the phone, I think. That is what we are looking forward. Whoever comes, whoever wants to know the Bible, we need to teach them the Bible. That's our goal coming here. Wow.
2: And um, if I can just add, so um, most of the people who are right now studying the Bible as we said are far from the church, but they're not just far 50 kilometers away. They are 280 kilometers away or 300 kilometers away or even 400 kilometers away. 480 kilometers away from the church <laughs> so we are definitely um in need of a lot of strategy but what we are also understanding is that this did not happen out of a strategy it just happened because god went ahead yeah. um and he went marching mm-hmm. and he opened these doors and we had to follow right but i think uh, the thing that has worked the most is when we received the news that someone wants to study the Bible and that person does not even have internet connection, so which means uh, we cannot do a Zoom call. Uh, none of my women leaders are in a position to either travel overnight to that location and study the Bible in person. Um, it, a, we don't have the finances. Two, we don't have the ability to do so. Uh, we just have to ask that particular person, uh, do you have a phone? And in some cases, they do not even have a phone. So we are having uh, one shared phone. And we are not even able to see this person while we are doing the study. Wow. And um, we are having to do studies in now dialects. So I'm Henry. Uh, do not even understand that dialect because we just learned the, the, the language of this state because this is not our home state. India is a diverse country. Every state has its own language. So this state has its own language. We just managed to learn that language, the official language. But now people are um, opening up from the districts of this particular state. So they speak a different dialect, which I and Henry even do not understand. But what we did is amazingly, we have uh, uh, we have disciples who uh, who are from these places, like originally, so they do know and understand the dialect. So we have clubbed all the different people who are coming from all these different places with disciples already in the church who know their particular dialect, and um, so every study that happens, there's probably one person who or sitting there, or trying to be there, who knows a particular dialect. We've also had this amazing problem of um, uh, uh, three women who are from another, uh, from a a faraway district, um, and they are like, we want to study the Bible every day, and we are like, I just had a leaders meeting, and my leaders told me, um, hello, we we cannot study the Bible with them every day. (laughs) So, what do we so i said what do we do but these women are saying they want to study the Bible every day so that, that we said okay so five of my leaders they will do studies with on five days so one leader one day of the of the week anyway so five different <laughs> leaders can do a Bible study with them on five different nights um, but then at some point um, some of my leaders said we can tell them that we maybe we may not be able to do studies with you every day or we'll do studies with you two days. So I said, okay, we'll go with that. Let's (laughs) tell them we'll do studies with you twice a week. And I'm like saying a prayer. I'm like, God, I hope you're okay with this. Wow. So uh, we've had to, we've had, I've had to learn to go with my women and see the best that they can do Mm -hmm. at this time Mm -hmm. when they're trying to manage so many things. But um, I think when not every study God converted to somebody coming into the church, but then um, most of them are very excited. The disciples seeing that God has answered their fasting prayer. Like I see that being repeated by the the disciples over and over again. So That's amazing. We know that um next year, if we are in a situation which is difficult, we just need to go to God more. We just need to deal more, and He's gonna go marching ahead of us anyways.
0: Wow. Well, thank you guys so much. I, I, I guess what I'd like to ask is in closing here is <clears throat> what advice would you give to a person that wants to make a difference with their lives? And um Maybe people that are, that are listening are inspired, as I am, by the fact that you had some, some tough times early on, and yet God totally worked it out, and you're doing amazing things. How do you overcome those things? What, do you have any advice for a person that feels like, hey, I'd like to be used by God, I want to do something, but, boy, I've got some, some, some difficult times in my past. Any advice that you give to a person?
1: Personally, for me, I feel that, that uh, we all are uh, sinners and there are times that we all have fallen and we all have weaknesses. But it is not our perfection that uh, allows God to work through us. Mm-hmm. It is God's uh, perfection that allows to work through my weaknesses. So I will. I, I would like to tell that not to give up, because God never gives up on us, mm. not to see your um, abilities um, uh, through your own eyes, but rather see it through God's eyes. Mm. And God can use anyone. And um, I will just say that just to keep, uh, be, uh, keep praying that God uses you to, uh, because God is always working and he will use anyone who's willing to be used. Mm. So I would like to tell that, just be ready. God can give you opportunity at any time, wherever you are, whatever you are doing. And I believe that God can turn things around. Thank you.
2: Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I've begun to realize that how um, the book of Ephesians chapter 1 says that, you know, we've been created for His purpose. And so each one of us, I think, have already been created for His purpose. Um, And then if you are maybe um, in a tough spot right now or have had uh, serious failures in the past, um, not to let go of the fact that you have been created for a purpose and for his good purpose. And that that God is going to fulfill that Mm -hmm. anyways. But just be willing to just go with him, like wherever he's leading you to. Take a lot of help, take a lot of advice, keep praying, keep surrendering, but just be willing to go with him hand in hand to wherever he's leading you to. Even through those anxieties. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think
1: I have learned, uh, I always uh, tell, and I believe that, uh, do not limit your abilities according to the way you think, but we do not even know what we actually can do. Right. Only God knows. So let us know. I always say, let's not think that this much only I can do or this much I can only think. That's right because God can take us further. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. and I just love you so much and, and so so inspired by your life, your work. Um, I think it brings God so much glory because I think about my own weaknesses and my own sin. and it it just helps me to, you know, just to wrestle through those feelings and realize, hey, I've I've blown it so many times in the past, and yet God is continuing to use my life, and that's a great, it's an incredible blessing. Um, your work during this time is is so inspiring, and I think an encouragement to so many people. And it gives me ins- inspiration. I go, okay, I want to I want to imitate those things, those qualities, the the fasting and the prayer, and see God work. And I loved what you shared about the inspiration for. Um, just letting God lead. You don't, because I'm, I'm a planner. I've always got a plan going on. But a lot of times it's like you have to just kind of work with what God brings about and see, follow where he's leading. And I, I hear that message really clearly. So thank you both so much for for coming on the program today. And I just want to wish you every blessing going forward.
1: Thank you for having thank us all. We're very thank grateful. You. Yeah,
2: yeah, really.
0: And I want to thank you today for for listening to the Rob Skinner podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, let me just ask you a favor. Please let your friends know about it. Hit the subscribe button and let people know how to find it. Tell your church friends and please spread the word. My goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.